What's going on, Mental Corner family? Welcome back to another episode of the Mental Corner Podcast, the show where I bring on guests from all different backgrounds to talk all the things mental health. I'm your host, Harry Potvin, and today, to cap off Suicide Awareness Month, I'm joined by Matt Caruana. Matt is a suicide survivor and mental health advocate who has used his personal and professional experience to become an international speaker. He uses what he's learned in life to help people unlock long-term happiness, purpose, gratitude, and resilience. Matt was such a blast to have on, and I really want to thank him again for coming on and having this discussion with me. Also, a lot of my episodes should have this, but I'm going to implement a trigger warning here as we do really dive into the topics of suicide and suicidal ideation. So if these are topics that are triggering to you or may potentially be triggering as you're listening to the episode, please just log off. You don't have to listen. And I'm going to put a bunch of resources down below um, if you do end up listening and find yourself getting triggered. And of course, just because it's the last day of Suicide Awareness Month doesn't mean that the conversation has to end. I know that there's a whole month dedicated to it, but, you know, suicidal ideation, mental health challenges, they don't they don't pick a day. You know, it's it's 12 months of the year, 365 days a year. So please reach out, talk about it. Let's keep this conversation going um, and never be afraid to speak out. You are important, you are loved, and there are so many people who are willing to sit down and listen. Now, before we get into the episode, guys, you know the drill. If you're listening, please like, comment, share, subscribe, give five stars if you're on that podcast platform. Share with someone who might want to hear this episode. It's a really great one, and I can't wait for you to listen. I'll talk to you all very soon. Have a great rest of your day. Peace. good to go matt what's going on man thanks so much for coming on i'm really glad to be here man yeah thanks for the invite harry of course so i ask every every one of my guests this big broad question at the beginning um so where does your whole journey where does that start like where does your whole mental health experience kind of begin mom see mental health was never really a conversation it's or anything i really ever addressed and it only became prevalent when I noticed things going downhill, which started when I was 12. And I mean, like, so gr- growing up was always in like a Catholic upbringing, right? Catholic primary school, Catholic high school, all that jazz. And I, I was always told, you know, everyone has a purpose. Everything happens for a reason. And that at school, I would hear, you know, you'd find your purpose and meaning in life through the Bible. But I don't know, it never really made sense to me. if if, if i'm honest and when that like really struck me i was like shit what's my what's the meaning of my life what's my purpose that's where i got stuck right now i'm 12 years old right (laughs) like (laughs) how am i supposed to come to that conclusion but i I don't know i was really fascinated by it so i kept asking questions so i was like shit well if i was dead would anything actually change I, again, I didn't know the answer to that because I was alive. But if purpose and meaning in life is about giving to others, do I actually add any value to people? Do I add any value to society? And that's when I had my answer. Because I was 12, I had no job, lived at home with my parents. All that, um, yeah, I, I suppose I, I just labeled myself as you know, not having any real value, which meant if I was dead, nothing would change, which meant my life meant nothing. And that really sent me down a wormhole of all these emotions and just because 
Now, on the outside, I look perfect. Like, a school doing well, like, good grades, does well at sports, just got into high school, you know, decently popular, all this stuff, no family struggles. But in, inside, I'm just, like, really, in a way, torn. Because I hadn't come to any real, like... I mean, how do I say this? Everyone in my life was smiling, but I felt like I was the only one that was, you know, stuck and didn't feel that. Because it looked like all these people had it all figured out. But I, I, yeah, I never felt that. So I never shared my feelings. Never mm. felt I could. This um, quickly led me down a road of experimenting with drugs. Like six months later, in the Christmas holidays, I was, um, yeah, developed an addiction, dealing to keep it up as well. And then I met a girl in, um, in year eight. So I'm now 13 at this stage and things actually, you know, she gave me a little bit of a light in my life. Though she found out about a few months into our relationship that I was like, I was on drugs and she didn't like it. And she gave me two options. She said, Matt, take me, I'll take the drugs. Like no one or the other. Um, No, it's one or the other. It's not both. And I, I just felt like I, yeah, I had to lie to her at the time the reason i choke up was because i said look i'll leave the drugs don't worry but no in reality it took me three months after that to actually kick my habits at the time <clears throat> now you, your question was about like where did it start from though that like whole experience with drugs just amplified things and and sort of made them stick around really and it ate me up inside for a long mm-hmm. time that makes sense yeah no it definitely does so when you're 12 and 13 like do you you recognize like that there's something going on inside your head or is it do you just it kind of accept it as the new normal for you all that i know is that my my life meant nothing Mm. that i was worthless so did i know that like i had depression or anxiety no i didn't really i just thought you know well I'm not feeling great. And like, that's all I know, really. And I'm having thoughts of ending my own life and all that stuff. But I didn't know it was all these different labels, right? And so no one spoke about it. And like, like how, how was I going to bring it up? I had no idea how to. And it was sort of a really tough place to be at the time. Anyways, I, um, like I said, got got immersed in like coke and everything dealing all that stuff got out of it at the end of 2013 but come 2014 i picked up other habits to sort of you know maintain like how i'm feeling what i realized was the certain things i would do that make me feel you know like i, I sort of escaped the, the emotions just like i did with drugs except now it was like through the guitar through djing through the gym those sort of things really like were my main cool crutches at the time the gym was the big one for me because I was extremely skinny being really like, you know, being a twig. And I um, became obsessed with people's recognition of me because I was always seeking connections the entire time. Right. If you were to really look at it, I was seeking connection through, like, through a greater sense of myself. It didn't work. So I saw connection through drugs again, didn't work. So now I'm seeking it through other people's validation of me. And the gym is how I got that. I'll tell you what, 
Harry, I, I very quickly I gained um, like recognition. People like started just yeah, like all, all these comments and stuff. And I had a, a mass reputation at my school, and so I sort of carried that with me to the point where I'm like, you know, I'm gonna like I remember end of year nine, right? I had this thought like I, I want to come back to school, and no one even recognized me. And I want to bulk up, shred like all my fat down to a point where I've got a photo that I can put on my Facebook. You know, I, I want to show everyone like who I really am, dude. Like, like I tr- I worked my ass off, and like, but I, I got there. This is photo. I'm not sure if you saw it on my Instagram. It's me at 16. I'm topless, just posing for the camera, and I um. Here I am, like portraying this image to the world. You know, I'm confident. No one's gonna mess with me and all this other stuff. Like I'm rock solid inside and all this discipline. But <laughs> it's funny, after that photo was taken, everyone, again, like I said, everyone believed me. All the likes, comments, friend requests, girls inboxing me. A week later, a week later, it was January 9th, 2016. And I, let's just say I started that day not how I would normally. And like, I've been feeling down now for the span of four years. And I mean, things aren't any any better, only worse at this stage. And like, I didn't go to gym that day. I didn't do anything, I didn't talk to anyone, just stayed in my room. There's a constant thought, which was, you know, those three questions, like they were heavy at the start, but now they're at a point where I can't even bring to words. But just, yeah, I mean, like, like I came to a point where I said, you know what, if, if it's been four years now, why don't I actually fulfill these statements? If what I'm thinking is so damn true, if I am worthless, why don't I act upon what I'm really thinking about? And so I started to look through my contact list. Like, was there anyone that would really care if I wasn't here anymore? And the only person on that list was Viv, my ex-girlfriend. And so I sent her a message and snuck out of my house you know, left the window, crack open. Um, um, sorry, no, usually left the window crack open when I was sneaking out. But this night I just shut it because I, I didn't want to come back. And yeah, walked up to my local shopping center and I should say, I yeah, this whole like span of sneaking out and going to the shopping center was 15 minutes. I had plenty of time to think otherwise. I didn't give my chance. I didn't, I didn't give myself a chance to get back inside because I locked the window, but there was no thought of it. I was so certain, and I got myself on that roof, and yeah, I went and ended my own life. Tried to end my own life. The reason I put so much emphasis on the gym and the, that, that photo that I that I posted is because I did I did such an effort to portray a certain image to the world. Yet I was the complete opposite behind the scenes. And then two weeks later, I wake up in a hospital bed and boots on both feet, pass on both arms, neck brace, every tube's going through me, everything. And, you know, you start freaking out because you can't, you can't move or yeah, feel half your body. Yeah, I found out I was a paraplegic. I, I, yeah, couldn't function off my body. And this really bugged me because I was left with the exact same feelings 
and thoughts. Though now the only thing that's changed is that I'm still here, but physically I'm now more challenged. So just added to the whirlwind of just like struggles going on at the time. Though, yeah. Anyways, ICU was a big blur. When I got into the spinal ward, it was just a whole bunch of, I mean, like people older than me, right? I'm 16 years old at this stage. Everyone's a lot older, always asking the same question. Why are you in hospital, Matt? You're so young. What are you doing with a spinal cord injury? Um, people that came to visit me, even complete strangers in public that I'd never met before. Talking like strangers asking like, why are you in the wheelchair? What happened to you? Mm. It's such a common thing, man. But I always said the same thing because I didn't like talking before my injury. Nothing had changed after. I said I had an accident, but I always say that. Or I had a fall was the most I you know, would ever say. So it was a week before I left hospital where like something different popped up in my life. I was with my mum and we went to like went to a place called Penrith. So it's like about like an hour and a half from the hospital that I was at. But I want to get these two piercings on my eyebrow. Got them done, man. And I've got to say, I was actually happy for this day and got them done. I, you know, I was wearing a smile, <laughs> feeling good. But on the train ride back to the hospital was where like, I mean, I was just thrown off guard, like halfway through the trip, this guy comes on the train and man, I've never met him in my life. Now in Canada, I think you call these guys like rednecks. Oh. <laughs> here, we call them, here we call them bogans. <laughs> oh man, okay. <laughs> right? This guy's got no filter. He just he walks on, looks to his right, doesn't even wait to sit down. Jesus Christ, what happened to you? <laughs> and <laughs> I don't know what it was, man. It was the first time I... I it just, it just came out. I swear it was a mixture of how abrupt he was and how happy I was in that moment. I just said, oh, I attempted suicide. And he starts laughing and, and points at me. He says, that was pretty fucking stupid. Look at you now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. Jesus. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Holy fuck. Yeah, man. And I, um, <laughs> I, I, I didn't know how to take that at the time. Like I laugh at it now because I was so uncomfortable in that moment. And he decides to sit next to me and have a conversation. Why not? <laughs> but it was the next morning where I realized I was actually, I felt lighter. And this was the first time in a long time that I've ever felt that. And so I just decided to go to my social worker. Dude, this is the first time I ever went to see her without her having to chase me up or go find me. And I, yeah, shared with her like what happened that guy on the train, how it made me feel. And she, she said, Matt, I mean, look at, look at this. There's something there. I'm like, what are you talking about? She said, Matt, it's the first time you opened up to anyone about the truth of your injury in four months. I don't know. You've, you woke up feeling lighter. I think there's something there in that, Matt. I didn't want to hear that, right? Because I didn't like talking. And then she asked a question that would never leave my head. I still like, you have this going around my mind all the time. Matt, what if you were to open up to the people close to you in life? Could you potentially strengthen the relationship you already have with them? God, I really didn't like hearing that because I didn't like talking. But man, like I said, it stuck with me because it challenged the one thing that I've resisted for so long. And you know what? She made a good point with that guy on the train. And so I gave it a crack. I started with Viv, my ex, and... I mean, here I am in hospital, right? Four months ago, I was ripped. I was big. Like, I had all these, like, like, 
man, like, I thought that was what, like, the perfection was, so, so to speak, right? And here I am in hospital, scrawny, skinny as I've dropped over 20 kilos. I mean, I'm, I'm, so, I'm in a wheelchair. I'm, I've lost, I, I, I think I've lost it all. I'm real with Viv and here she is telling me, Matt, I've never felt closer to you. That struck me. Like, it really hit me because in that moment, I had realized maybe this was maybe the lesson I needed to learn all along. Because when I started talking to some of my friends and then my parents, I realized the relationships that were meaningful to me actually did strengthen. It's not like everyone in my life wanted to like hear about it. Don't get me wrong. Some of my friends didn't want to hang out with me anymore, but I found out who my true friends were. Hmm. You know, we became closer. My, my parents and I became closer. So did Viv and I. And this was the one thing I've resisted for so long. Did I have to go through all of this just to learn about speaking up? That really hit me at the time. Though at the end of that year, now I'm, I'm home at this stage and the same social worker asked me to come back to the hospital just for a meeting. And she's like, Matt, I have an opportunity. If you're open to it, you would share your story to about 30 or so young people at the hospital every two weeks or so we get them coming through for a program i was like look you know i don't like talking i'll give it a pass and then she's like matt do you remember that guy on the train what that did for you what if you could help others help you <laughs> and that yeah that that struck me and so i gave it a crack and three months later i um was my first time sharing i was <laughs> shaking <laughs> to mm. say the least, dude. I mean, I, yeah, from going from never wanting to speak ever to now being in front of people publicly sharing, I was, yeah, just thinking, what are they all thinking of me? And all this other stuff going through my mind. But afterwards, people came up and thanked me. These young people shook my hand and said, You inspired me. Matt, thanks for sharing. And some said they want to help their friends. This, how do I say? really meant a lot to me yes but it also completely like <laughs> in a way shifted my way of thinking because for so long for so for five years i've been thinking i'm so worthless i'm a waste of space why am i here you know i'd gone and attempted and I, and I still couldn't do that right how pathetic am i now though now someone's appreciating me someone saw mm. value in me by me sharing, I was able to add value to others. I'm like, what the hell? And like, <laughs> yeah, man, like how do I say it? Just nothing but tears came out of my eyes. I was so overwhelmed at the time. I didn't know how to take it, but I kept at it. I was like, look, any nerves that I have doesn't matter because I can help someone. You know what? Shit. Like, I, I, feel, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm someone when I do it. And people saw value in it. And then I was like, I don't want to just do 30 or so people at a hospital program. I want to be going to schools myself. I want to be going to corporates myself. I want to be running, not just sharing my story, but running workshops. So people can actually go within themselves to find their own answers, not me just sharing my answers. And yeah, man, that, that was my journey with mental health. And 
what started with something that as just a sort of a thought spiraled to this massive whirlwind of experiences, though she would ask me, would I change anything? I wouldn't. Now, do I want to walk? Yeah, sure, that'd be great. Though I would not change the fulfillment that I truly have and how happy I am to be in the position that I am for anything. God, no. Right. Wow. Man. It's, it's, it's almost scary, right? How like, you know, these thoughts when you were 12 of you going, well, I'm, I'm kind of worthless. Would anyone really care if I was gone? Like these little, I, I won't say innocent, but these like minor thoughts just build up over time when you don't let it out and just eventually boil over. Mm, no, absolutely. Absolutely. The thing is, it's, it's, it's like our breath, right? Like this is how I view emotions. We need a constant pace of steady inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale, just like our emotions. We're going to inhale, we're going to experience our emotions. I mean, we can try to fight our breath. We can try to hold it, but how long can we really hold it for? And if you hold it long enough, you'll pass out. Though if you hold it long enough, you might also outburst and like really gasp and like take deep breaths. And like, that, that's a breaking point, right? Mm. Now breaking points, they look different for everyone else. Though it's, um, we need to constantly inhale, exhale, feel our emotions and actually, you know, be okay with sharing them. Because that's what being real is, actually addressing how you're feeling instead of just suppressing over and over. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, it, it, it's great that you're able to open up now and share it because, man, a younger me, like, you, you know, like mental health's never talked about, suicidal ideation's never talked about. But when you look at it from a male perspective, it's even talked about even less. Like, when, like I would have never gone to my friends in high school, my boys, and been like, hey, like, I'm having you know, thoughts of ending my life. Like that's, it's never been a thing. And I don't know about you, but like, I remember the first time I ever opened up to anybody about that stuff. Like it, it was, a, it's a weird feeling to finally let it out because in your head, it like, it builds up over time. And then you kind of, it kind of feels real. And you're like, yeah, this is the way to do it because you don't have any external views on it. And you've kind of just convinced yourself that this is the only way to go. But then when you let it out, it finally, like it's real. And I, I just mm. wish people opened up more about uh, more early, earlier on, because then that realness comes out quicker and it, before it gets too late, like that, there, there, there's never been a more sobering feeling than finally admitting it to somebody for the first time, like in words. I agree. I, one thing, especially as men, we tend to like, suppress and hide away is, you know, our emotions, hell, our tears. And this, the way I view it is emotions, like there's such a wide range in that we can feel, right? Though it's part of the human experience to be able to feel all these different emotions. If life was just happy, life was just exciting. Sorry, but life would be pretty boring. Mm. <laughs> if it was just one constant like state, it wouldn't work. There needs to be like the polarity, like the light, the dark, the good, the bad, the happy, the sad. You need to have both. And it's very key to not suppress one, but allow yourself to experience it. Because like you said, and like being able to 
then share it as well. It's 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 it's, it's such a weight off your chest. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Though, yeah, yeah, like, and like, I, sorry, I'm really going in on this point of feeling your emotions. It's so easy to not, and it's easy just to hide away and press away. Like, similar to, similar to the, um, what do you call it? Breath. It's, it's like a water bottle, right? Where if you have a bottle and like the water level comes up, you, get, you have two options, fight it or accept it. You choose to fight the water. And sorry, the water's only going to go rise up rise higher but if it comes up again it's going to be at a higher level if you keep suppressing it, it's going to keep rising and that bottle bursting is your breaking point it's not going to look pretty it's mm. going to affect everyone around it as well if that makes yeah. sense no that makes complete sense yeah it the, the way i saw it was like you know if, if you're in a class and i've I can only use this analogy because I've done this before in school but when you're in a class and you're only focused on the good grades that you get in that class, but mm. you're failing like half the stuff and you're like, ah, it doesn't matter. Like it is keep suppressing those. And then you get to the final exam and you're like, oh, I need like 130% on this exam to pass because I've been ignoring all the failed ones and only focusing on the highlights. It's like that, man. Like you, you gotta, you gotta take both, take them both on the chin and kind of learn how to move forward with them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It allows for a space of self-acceptance yeah which is much easier to operate from yeah. than self-suppression mm, exactly so did you did you ever go get therapy either before or after your incident happened so before my injury i um so it was around the time i started the gym i started seeing the school counselor as well because i was also skipping school i, I didn't like it I felt like i just, you know didn't fit in just wanted to disappear and um, ended up sharing my year coordinator because she caught me. And so she sent me to the school counselor. I would see her once every, I don't know, few weeks. I never went and saw her. She always called up for me. She always chased me up. But, um, but yeah, after my injury, I really just didn't like talking. And I just refused everything. I was constantly lying to um the the psychologist in the hospital so um yeah <laughs> basically i um never liked it mm. at the time yeah yeah ther- therapy is a weird thing man it, it i mean it, it worked for me but like sitting down in a room with some random person who you, i've never met and telling you all my deepest darkest thoughts like ah, no thank you yeah <laughs> but not only that but like I also, this is, this is just me, and I, I saw it so early on, not before my injury, but after. Before my injury, I liked my school counselor. She was cool. I, I, I lied to her, but like, I still liked her. After my injury, I noticed with the psychologist at the hospital, they would box me in a way. So, mm. all right, you have this, this label, so you, we're going to treat you like this sort of thing and i don't know if you got this feeling too but i feel like i could never have a quote-unquote real conversation right i don't know it just yeah it was always a conversation that i not only did not did not like talking it felt inauthentic it felt like they were inauthentic so i i, I was always resistant to everything and then even like the, the psych meds that they gave me like i i was like no nah, i'm not taking it i'm not taking it i'm not taking it yeah 
and yeah i just resisted because i became heavily identified with the identity when you get thrown all these labels and stuff you start to believe it and anything that comes your way you're just like no no i don't i don't want that because it now threatens your identity and so i i i wore the labels that they put on me but didn't like how they treated me at the same time yeah that's fair i've experienced like I, I've mentioned on the show, but like I, I've, I went through seven different therapists and only the seventh one worked because the, the other six, like, like you said, there were a couple that just immediately throw you into a box. And like it, I, I don't know if it's them trying to understand what's going on or them just being inauthentic and just trying to get straight to the point. But that, that's the problem with some therapy, right? Is like there's some great people and there's some not so great people, like everything in life, of course. But I think that's mm. what kind of turns people away from actually using it is that they get paired up with someone who like immediately just throws them into a box. Because I like the first the first person I saw immediately uh, gave me a prescription, like without ever talking to me or asking me how I felt. She was just like, what's going on? Okay, meds. The second one, same thing, was wow. like, you're, you're depressed, meds. It's like, that's not how to talk to people. People just need an outlet, and they need to be listened to. It's like, I don't know, it's tricky. Like, I'm obviously not a therapist, but it's, it's a tricky situation. I know, I know. I believe me, Harry, I'm, I'm with you, man. And this is, this is the one thing that I noticed my social worker did that my psychs didn't. My social worker, when I was with her, she talked to me as me. She wouldn't talk to me like, okay, you have these labels, so I'm gonna, I need to communicate to you with X, Y, Z. I need to give you this, this, this. No, she's like, all right, you're Matt. Like, I'm, I'm gonna talk to you like with whatever you present to me, not what labels I think you have and what I think you should be on, no. It, 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 it brought the human element back to communicating mm. <laughs> in a way. It's just being, it's just being real which i which yeah is how i say it i don't know i feel like in 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 the therapy world it's you just need to find who you resonate with that's really what it comes down to yeah yeah and sometimes it takes longer than other times yeah unfortunately yeah now when, when you're going through all this public speaking and you're going to schools and different things, you mentioned that, you know, you got some good reception. Um, was there any, ever, was there ever any time that like there was a bit of pushback or there was someone who was against anything you said or anything like that? Uh, against not, not necessarily. Um, I've had people say it's a, it was a bit overwhelming because mm. with, when I run my sessions, like they are a heavy session. They are. And though that's part of the beauty of it, I believe is, is the heaviness sort of needs to be there. And like for you to experience that allows you a space where you can actually go within. You can't go within if, if, if things are just like happy bubbly all the time. I'm sorry. Like, and, and the thing about like my workshops, I, I try to keep it like, so you're not just sitting there reflecting the whole time. God, no, it's a mixture of like being physically, mentally, emotionally engaged. Like, yeah. Okay. I'm going to, you're going to sit there. And I'm going to talk to you for a little bit. Then we get you into groups and get you doing work solo, get you in an activity with everyone involved. Like I, I, 
do my best to really like change it up. Though I've never had an issue with um saying the if something when I say the wrong thing or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Though yeah. some people get overwhelmed with emotions, that's that's natural. Though it's it, right. it's interesting because they'll they'll get overwhelmed and they'll come to me afterwards and actually thank me. Mm. As well. Now I'm not trying to toot my own horn here and say like I run the perfect workshop. No, it, it's um, it's also hard to ignore with someone. It's, it's it's hard. Sorry, let me rephrase that. It's hard to um, argue with someone's experience as well. Right. I feel like. Yeah, of course, because only they know it. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, basically, everything I run is based on my experience. This is what I believe to be true based on what I've, I've experienced. And it seems to be that other people are getting value out of it as well and realizing stuff in themselves at the same time. Right. Yeah. The, um, yeah, well, I mean, you nailed it right in the head. Like it can be overwhelming, but I mean, we mentioned off camera, like, you know, suicide attempts and suicidal ideation, like they're real things like that. It happens, unfortunately. And, you know, mm. I don't want to go into the whole lockdown situation, but it's becoming more prevalent from lockdown, not like, and before, and now like it with the rise of social media, like there's so many different factors that are implemented, but it's a real thing. And, you know, we, like you said, we can't all just be happy, happy sunshine rainbows all the time because then we were suppressing the negative stuff that's going on and we're not addressing it and we're only focusing on the good stuff. We've already been through this, but like it, it's so important. Like, yes, it's overwhelming, but we need to address it, which is what I love about what you're doing with that workshop is like, not mm. everyone has to open up about that. Like it's okay if you don't want to, but we need people who are opening up about it because there are a lot of people that go through that in silence. And when they hear all this happy, happy stuff, they're like, well, shit, I, I can't resonate with that. So what's yeah, wrong? Yeah, yeah. They they start to look. Yeah, what's wrong with me? Exactly right. Like in a way, I was blessed where hospital was a place where I was forced to experience my emotions. Mm -hmm. Yes, I was heavily medicated at the same time, though I had nowhere to run. Really, uh, and like I was on a twenty-four hour watch. I was um, had all these appointments and a lot of time by myself. So. I, I, I had to, in a way, sit with it. Mm. And though if people allow themselves a space to, and the biggest thing about this is it's also non-judgment of yourself saying, it's okay for me to feel like this. It's okay for me to get down. Once you're okay with it, you, you have less resistance within yourself, which helps you with your quality of life. I mean, tremendously. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like, and like, while I say like I've overcome these struggles as well, I also want to make it very clear: I still have emotions. I still get down. Like, I still, still human. Right. right. <laughs> it's just that I, mean, I, I have a different mindset around all this and how I approach it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I, I was actually just going to ask you, like, you know, you've experienced all this, and you, you do your workshops, and it's been five 2021 it's been like five years since this this in injury and incident happened do you still experience suicidal ideation from time to time so that's it, an interesting question i get so like, like every now and then a passing thought i mean like a passing thought like will, will pop up and but like 
it just fades away and I kid you not 10 seconds it yeah. just ten, tends to just go away I, I don't I don't attend the thought because I think I don't think I could be in that place again I really don't because and I'm not saying it can't happen I'm saying I just I, I am in such a different place now with how I go about things and how I yeah like it's I, so has the thought popped up? Yeah, it has. It's once every like few months or whatever. But again, it lasts like a few seconds. It doesn't yeah. really, it doesn't really stick at all. Mm. It, it's, it's interesting because I like, you know, my whole story has already been put on this show, but like, it, it's interesting looking back now where like now I get those thoughts still, but like you said, they're passing and I kind of address it. I see it. Okay, bye. Like you, that's you it. Hold that's it. it. Yeah, that, that's the key point is to actually address it. Because if you don't address it, if if, if I was to fight, the, if you were to fight the thoughts too, it would just come back, right? right. It, it would start fighting back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you have to address it. But it, it's interesting that like those thoughts that you kind of just go, okay, see you, goodbye. Like years ago, were like they would take over everything. Like you would get that thought where it's like, ah, you should end your life. And immediately, not only does your mood change, but like the world goes gray. You're like starting to spiral. You're like, oh, maybe I should. And now you've overcome so much that you get to a point where you you hear that voice again and you're like, nah, no. It's interesting to see the growth because you don't really, I mean, for me anyway, I don't want to talk for other people, but like it's it sometimes you don't see the progress that you've made from your lowest point to now until you get into a situation like that where you hear that voice and it's like you should probably kill yourself and you just go nah no i'm good mm-hmm. thanks though <laughs> but like <laughs> thank, thanks for your opinion but like 4 years ago it was like yeah you're right i should it's interesting mm. but it's 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 you've i suppose we've both now built a muscle to be able to sit with it to be able to accept it rather than just be like no 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 i don't want it and right. that's that's powerful to be able to sit through the thought it takes a level of resilience to be able to do it right yeah man so because you you obviously share your story a lot um and you do these workshops and everything is there ever a point where you kind of look back at what you've experienced? Let, or, let me rephrase that. Is, whenever you look back at what you've experienced, this whole, like th- what you just told me, the whole journey, is there ever, or how do you feel when you look back? Like what kind of emotions come up? It's interesting. Yeah. Cause I, the reason it's interesting is I'm actually writing a book at the moment, which is mm. <laughs> like going into more detail, right? Like, and, and like a lot more detail. But um, so when I talk about it, like it's quite often that still like, like, yeah, some of the emotions will come up. Like I, um, yeah, like it's, how do I say it? I never share my story though and feel drained as a result. Mm. that that that's a key thing um writing my book has been a a very different experience where it's because it's more in depth i i do experience the emotions at a greater degree right and um because in a way i because i'm I'm trying to share it all from the, the 
journey of my mindset at the time and like as it's progressing like this is how like things are sort of shifting as well it's like i've had to revisit and like believe the old beliefs i used to have and yeah like i um <laughs> not sure um if that's healthy or not I, I gotta say in a way it's been somewhat of a healing journey because i've had to yeah revisit the details rather than just broader picture if that makes sense no yeah for sure and when you're doing that do you then realize like how far you've come from that point like having to relive yeah. those feelings yeah yeah it's it's, it's it's also a great um like reflective process as well yeah i do i i, I try not to have these thoughts of like i'll look how far i've come because i don't know i feel like that'll like brew like an arrogance inside mm. me which i don't need <laughs> but um but yeah, outside of that, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, um, I, I, I am happy to say though, like I have come a long way, and yeah, yeah, man, feel arrogant for a little bit. You deserve it. Come on, you've come a long way. <laughs> feel yourself for a little bit. <laughs> um, so, like, like I mentioned already, like suicidal ideation and you know the thoughts of ending your life are a big big topic right now and they're like it's pretty prevalent so if mm. you were able to sit in a room with someone who may be experiencing this but has never opened up about it and is like struggling in silence but is dead set on i should end my life because i'm worthless like what, what would be the one thing you would tell them as you're sitting in the room with them i mean the first thing is you don't see it but it's not worth it mm. the reason i say that is when i look back on my journey i mean so like like it was so vivid this belief and this thought that no one you know no one cared that like no one loved me that i like i was worthless you know it would be, be people would be better off as a result but just like the water bottle analogy, how like when the bottle explodes or it makes a mess with everything around it, it's the exact same. When like it doesn't matter who you are, suicide has a massive ripple effect. It affects everyone around you, not just your family, not just your friends, but your community. Like if you're still at school, your school, you're at uni, university, you're at work, the workplace, then people around it as well. You'd be surprised at the ripple effect it's had. And yeah, I mean, like, I mean, to this day, I, I, I still get some people like, like sharing about the effect it had on them at the time. This is like nearly six years ago, right? It's it's been quite some time, but yeah. And the reason I, say, I also say it's it's not worth it is the one thing that person, like you mentioned, like in the example is resisting I just don't want to talk to anyone is the one thing I needed to go through that entire process for to bring myself to a place to be able to open up. The one thing I resisted for so long is the one thing I needed to learn. It's literally what I do now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll just share my story, but speak publicly and like run workshops, all that stuff. Right. But it started with just by sharing, just by being open. Yeah. And then something final would be just to, what does your heart truly want? Yeah. If that thing is still beating, something's keeping you alive. 
So why don't we take time to actually listen to it? What is it saying? What What do you truly want? And I tell you, I it was like I, I because for so long it, it was like I wanted to, but I, I it, it, it's like I couldn't like speak up. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I would say to them. It's mm. I mean it's yeah. Man, the ripple effect that you're mentioning, like it's you hear that all the time, but like it's so freaking true, man. Like at our university in my first year, there were, I think there was five suicides. I think like it was one of the highest, um, for universities in Ontario that year or something. I, I definitely butchered that stat, but, um, I just remember the vibe on all of campus, you know, like we, 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 I didn't know those people. Like my friends didn't know those people, but just hearing that, like hearing that a fellow student who was our age, like did it, it like put everyone, like it, it just set the tone almost for the year. So like, you know, you, you're stuck in your head and you think no one cares if I'm gone and like no one would really care if I ended my life, but man, what I wouldn't give to sit down with those five people, like just like even now, like, excuse me, I'm getting a little choked because it's like, man, like you don't realize how like as corny as it sounds, like you don't realize how loved you are by people who don't even know you. Like, like. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, man. (sighs) Fuck. Yeah. It's, it's a tough topic, but I'm Matt. I appreciate you, man. I'm glad you're, you opened up. I'm glad that, you know, things are looking up for you and that you're writing this book and you do these workshops because we need people like you, man. We need people who open up and share this stuff because when, when you don't hear these things and you kind of just internalize everything, like it, it's, it, it, ugh, it's tough. Mm, it is, man. It's, it's also easy to get caught up in this whirlwind of just thoughts and stuff, but to be able to, go within, allow yourself to feel it and then share. I mean, that's how you rise above and take your power back. Yeah, man. Mic drop. (laughs) Man, Matt, I appreciate you, brother. Where can my viewers, if they want to learn more about you or, you know, if they want to read your book in the future or attend, sorry, attend a workshop, like where can they find you in your work? Yeah. So my website is just mattcarawana.com. So M-A-T-T-C-A-R-U-A-N-A.com. Um, you can find more about me and more about what I do. Social media, um, Facebook is Matt Shares on FB. Instagram is Matt Shares. And LinkedIn is just Matthew Caruana. Love it, man. I will put those links down below. Matt, like I mentioned before, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming on, brother. I appreciate it. No, thanks for reaching out, man. I'm really glad. Yeah, really glad we did this. Of course, yeah. Uh, maybe when I get to Australia in like the next 20 years, I'll come to a workshop. <laughs> <laughs> if our borders ever open. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. Maybe in like 30 years then. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, man. To all my listeners, I will see you guys next time.